بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسول اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما اللهم اجعل هذا العلم حجة لنا لا علينا يا كريم باب قول الله تعالى إنما ذلكم الشيطان يخوف أولياءه فلا تخافوهم وخافون إن كنتم مؤمنين Allah the Exalted says it is only shaitan who suggests to you the fear of his supporters so fear them not but fear me if you are true believers in Ali Imran ayah number 175 and again the Shaykh rahimahullah he uses an ayah as the chapter title for he uses the ayah in Ali Imran. But if we were to give it an actual chapter title, fear of Allah alone. And then the relevance of the chapter to the book, yani to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is one of the most comprehensive acts of worship, which must be exclusively dedicated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way that the Shaykh rahimahullah, he structured these chapters, there's hikmah behind it, there's fiqh behind it, there's an understanding behind it. He followed the chapter of love with the chapter of fear. And we said that love, we said that every ibadah must have an element of, of love to it. Every ibadah must be based on love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why you do the ibadah in the first place. For similarly, yani acts of worship are either done out of love or fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The last chapter we took one aspect and that was the love. And in this chapter we take also the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This must also be present in certain acts of worship as well. For fulfilling a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is done out of love and veneration while abstaining from his prohibitions is done out of fear of his punishment. That means we avoid the sins and we avoid the things which Allah subhanahu subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited us from why because we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we fear the punishment of Allah as a result of falling into that sin for whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to do something then this is done out of love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbids us from something then we abstain from it out of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and both of them are dependent on one another both of them are dependent on one another for the fearful and obedient servant seeks Allah's mercy and fears his punishment and then if we were to classify al-khawf, al-khawf is fear. We can classify it into two types. For the first type is the natural fear, the natural khawf. Mathalan, you fear a predatory animal, mathalan, a lion or a tiger or, or a vicious animal. Or mathalan, you fear a fire or you fear, mathalan, drowning. These are natural things which a person fears, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has imbued in them. And this is part of their fitrah. And a person is not called to account for this. But however, if subhanallah, if this natural fear becomes the cause for you to abandon something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated upon you, or this fear causes you to commit a sin which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited upon you, then this is when it becomes blameworthy. For this natural fear should not stop you from worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this natural fear should not, should not cause you to be committing sins. And then the second type of fear is the reverential fear. And this is to fear something to the extent that you take them as an object of worship. And this belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exclusively. For we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is why we worship Him. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not do this thing, then we fear Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as a result, we run to Him. فَفِرُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ 
Al-firar is to run away. Mathalan, you see a predatory animal, what do you do? You run away. What did Allah say? Fafirru ila Allah. He said, flee to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine doing that, mathalan, to a predatory animal. You flee to the animal that you are scared of. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we fear Allah, we turn to Allah. We return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For this is the reverential fear. And for example, a person may wrongfully believe that a false deity or even a person will bring about sickness without cause or take their soul. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power to do these things. For mathalan, they have this yani, fear inside them that such and such person will bring about sickness for them and there is no cause and there is no reason for them to be sick from this person. There is nothing that has been mathalan, yani, established medically that this person will cause a sickness. But they have this mathalan, supernatural fear of this person that they will cause them sickness. Or mathalan, yani, someone will take their soul without there being a cause مثلاً, without them seeing مثلاً, with a gun or with a knife or something similar to this for this is a kind of reverential fear as well which constitutes shirk if it is directed to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and subhanallah the reverential fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it goes up and down it goes up and down according to your level of iman so the higher your iman is the more fear you have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the weaker your iman is the less fear you have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you are more likely to commit sins for the person who directs the reverential fear to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they have committed major shirk. subhanallah, this ayah we need to go back to Ali Imran. But in ayah number 163, and two ayat before this one. These ayat were revealed on the day of Uhud. When the Muslims were defeated on the day of Uhud. And then the Mushrikeen, they said, we're going to go back to Al-Madinah and we are going to annihilate the Muslims completely. We're going to cut them off from the root and there's going to be no more Islam and we will be victorious. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent these ayat down that the people said to them and nas again is referring to the hypocrite that the people have gathered the mushrikun have gathered outside of Medina be careful be scared of them they are coming to annihilate you what happened to the believers instead of being fearful what happened it only increased them in iman what did they say? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient for us and he is the best of protectors from the ni'mah of Allah and the fadl of Allah that no harm came to them as a result of the mushrikun gathering around Al-Madina Wallahu dhu fadlin azim and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great in his virtue. And then the ayah comes, Innama thalikum shaytanu yukhawwifu awliyah, fala takhafuhum wa khafuni in kuntum mu'mineen. It is only shaytan that suggests to you the fear of his awliyah, his supporters and friends, yani the mushrikun and the disbelievers. So fear them not, but fear me if you are true believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Innama thalikum, that is the shaytan. He suggests to you the fear of his supporters. Who supports the shaitan? The disbelievers and the hypocrites and the mushrikun. They are the supporters of the shaitan. They are the ones that obey him in the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For the shaitan, he makes you fear his supporters. He insinuates to you and he whispers to you the fear of his supporters. He says, fear these people. Fear these people. 
That is the shaytan who insinuates to the believers that his supporters are of great power so that the believers fear them. That's what the shaytan attempts to do. And like we said that this ayah was revealed on the day of Uhud. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs the believers that this threat is from the shaytan. This is an order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So fear them not. And do not fear the supporters of the shaytan when he is trying to make you fear them. Don't listen to the shaytan. You have no reason to fear them. فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونِ Instead you should be fearing me. Instead your fear should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by not disobeying him as the fear of Allah prevents a servant from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونِ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ If you are true believers, because true iman necessitates fearing Allah more than anyone or anything else. For this goes to show, or it is understood from the ayah, that fearing the shaytan and his supporters, it contradicts iman. It contradicts true iman. And if the shaytan, he insinuates to you fear of himself or his supporters, and then this fear that is in the heart of the person is reverential fear, then the person has committed major shirk, and their iman is completely removed. But if the fear that he instills in their heart is the natural fear, which results in them leaving something which is obligatory or doing something which is prohibited, then this negates what? The perfection of iman. And then the general meaning of the ayah, Allah informs us in this ayah that the shaitan strives in his attempt to make the believers fear his allies and supporters so that the believers do not fight them nor command them to do good and forbid them from evil. Allah further forbids us from following the insinuations of the shaitan by fearing his supporters and orders us to fear him alone for this is a requisite for true iman. The more a believer's iman gets stronger, the less they fear shaitan's supporters and vice versa. وقوله تعالى إنما يعمر مساجد الله من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وأقام الصلاة وآت الزكاة ولم يخش إلا الله فعسى أولئك أن يكونوا من المهتدين that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says the mosques of Allah shall be maintained only by those who believe in Allah in the last day offer prayers perfectly and give zakat and fee none but Allah it is they who are expected to be on true guidance in Surah At-Tawbah and again if you open to Surah At-Tawbah and look at the ayah before it مَا كَانَ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ أَنْ يَعْمُرُوا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ شَاهِدِينَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ بِالْكُفْرِ أُولَٰئِكَ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ وَفِي النَّارِهُمْ خَالِدُونَ It is not for the mushrikun to maintain the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while they testify against themselves that they are kuffar. Well, they acknowledge that they are within themselves kuffar. It is not for them to maintain the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ulaika habitat a'maluhum. Their deeds have been rendered invalid. Whatever they do from the imarat al-masajid, from the maintenance of the mosques, especially Baytullah al-Haram. Ulaika habitat a'maluhum wa finnarihum khalidun. They will abide in the hellfire forever. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Innama ya'muru masajid Allahi man amana billahi wal yawmil akhir wa aqama as-salata wa ata az-zakata wa lam yakhsha illa الله فعسى أولئك أن يكونوا من المهتدين فالله سبحانه وتعالى says إنما يعمر مساجد الله the maintenance of the houses of Allah is both spiritual and physical for the spiritual maintenance of the houses of Allah سبحانه وتعالى is through your salat and it is through your ذكر of Allah سبحانه وتعالى in the house of Allah and it is the recitation of the Quran this is all عمارة مساجد الله you are maintaining the houses of Allah through your worship of Allah in those houses and then the physical one which we all can relate to is the building of the masajid and maintaining the houses 
houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the physical maintaining of them. Innama ya'muru masajid Allah, the ones who maintain the houses of Allah are who? Man amana billahi wal yawmil akhir, the ones who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ones who show their true iman in their heart and on their limbs as well. Amana billah, they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts with his belief because all the other ibadat which he's going to mention in the ayah are dependent on the belief of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Man amana billahi wal yawmil akhir wa aqama salat and they establish the salat, they pray on time, and they pray in congregation, and they fulfill the pillars of salah, and the obligations of salah, and they also fulfill the sunan of salah, they take their salah seriously, zakat, and they give the obligatory zakat, when they have to pay the zakat, when it reaches the nisab, when it reaches the threshold, and they have had this wealth for one year, then zakat becomes obligatory upon them, zakat, and fee none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for there is a negation and there is an affirmation in this part of the ayah. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Walam yakhsha. This is a negation. Illallah. This is an affirmation. For this shows exclusivity. Yani the khashya is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For the ayah is talking about khashya. And the chapter is about khawf. Khashya and khawf. How are they related to one another? For al-khashya is fear which is accompanied with knowledge, which is based on knowledge. We have knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is why we fear Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have knowledge of Allah's asma and His sifat, and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable from punishment. We know Allah, we have knowledge of Allah, that is why we have khashya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For their khashya is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they fear Allah out of knowledge. Well, khawf may not always be based on knowledge. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَعَسَىٰ أُولَٰئِكَ أَن يَكُونُوا مِنَ الْمُهْتَدِينَ It is they who are expected to be on true guidance. For whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, عَسَىٰ Then this is certain, this is referring to certainty. Then they will certainly be from those who are upon guidance. It's not perhaps they will be upon guidance. It is, they will certainly be upon guidance. And then the general meaning of the ayah. In the ayah before this ayah in Surah At-Tawbah, Allah negates the polytheist spiritual maintenance of the houses of Allah, which involves performing acts of worship in them. In this ayah, Allah states that His houses are maintained through the acts of worship performed by the believers who sincerely believe in Allah and the last day. They are also persistent in the establishment of salah and paying the zakat to its legal recipients and express their sincere fear and adoration to none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the relevance of the ayah to the chapter. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He praised. He praised the believers, those who maintain the houses of Allah. And with the things that He praised them with, is that they only fear Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah in the previous ayah, what did He say? He said, مَا كَانَ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ أَنْ يَعْمُرُوا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ It's not for the mushrikeen to maintain the houses of Allah. Why isn't it for the mushrikeen to maintain the houses of Allah? Because they don't have the characteristics of of the believers. But what does that mean? That means that their fear is for their deities. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the ayah before, مَا كَانَ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ أَنْ يَعْمُرُوا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ The mushrikeen, they are not the ones who should be maintaining the houses of Allah. Because they are mushrikeen. إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُوا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ The ones who maintain the houses of Allah from amongst their characteristics is what? Is that they only fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does this tell us about the mushrikeen? That they fear other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why they have fallen into shirk. And everything, every characteristic of the believer that, that Allah described is not existent in the mushrikeen. They don't believe in Allah and they don't believe in the last day and they don't establish the salah and they don't give the zakat and they... 
do not fear only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For this goes to show that fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an act of worship. If it is done sincerely for his sake, it is tawheed. And if it is done for other than Allah, for a false deity, then it is, then it is shirk. وَقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ فَإِذَا أُوذِيَ فِي اللَّهِ جَعَلَ فِتْنَةً نَاسِكَ عَذَابِ اللَّهِ And of mankind are some who say, we believe in Allah. But if they are made to suffer for the sake of Allah, they consider the trial of mankind as Allah's punishment. Surah Al-Ankabut. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ And of mankind. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ Usually it's referring to, referring to the hypocrites. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ They say, we believe in Allah. They claim to have iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but only by their words, as is the case of the hypocrites. It's always a claim that they make on their lips, but there's nothing in their hearts. As a result of their adherence to Islam, then they are harmed because of their implementation of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the sunnah of Allah, that whoever follows the deen of Islam, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put hardships and burden them. They consider the trial of mankind like Allah's punishment. For when you know of Allah's punishment, what do you do? You stay away from His prohibitions and you, you fulfill His commands. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told you to do, you do it. And whatever He's told you not to do, then you don't do it. Because why? You fear the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For these hypocrites, whenever hardship comes to them, They made the fitna of the people like the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That whenever hardship came to them, what did they do? They left their deen and they obeyed the people so that they would not be harmed. They left their deen and they obeyed the people so that no harm would come to them as a result of those people. For it is known that a person flees from the punishment of Allah by complying with his commands. Similarly, the hypocrites flee from the punishment of the people by complying with their wishes, thus renouncing their religion. Then the general meaning of the ayah, Allah informs us of a class of people who adopt the religion of Islam without firm conviction in their hearts, and they are the hypocrites. Once they are subjected to hardships and afflictions as those which usually harm the messengers and their followers at the hands of their opponents, they abandon their iman and compare this temporary punishment of mankind to the eternal punishment of Allah from which the believers strive to flee because of their fear of it. They flee from the torture at the hands of the enemies of Allah by renouncing their religion. They are similar to the one who flees from the excessive heat and seeks refuge in the fire. And then the relevance of the ayah to the chapter, that the fear of the hypocrites is the reverential fear. Why? Because it causes them to turn away from their deen. For it goes to show that they are mushrikun, that they have committed shirk in this regard. وعن أبي سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه في حديث مرفوع إن من ضعف اليقين أن ترضي الناس بسخط الله وأن تحمدهم على رزق الله وأن تذمهم على ما لم يؤتك الله إن رزق الله لا يجره حرص حريص ولا يرده كراهية كاره that Abu Sa'id al-Khudri narrates in a hadith which is marfu'ah. It is the weakness of yaqeen or certainty, complete iman, to seek pleasure of others by displeasing Allah and to praise others for the livelihood which was provided by Allah and to blame others for the thing not bestowed by Allah. Not even the greediness of the most greedy person can bring the livelihood of Allah and not even anybody's aversion can prevent it. For the hadith is narrated by Abu Nu'aym in his Hilya in his compilation of a hadith called Hilyatul Awliya, 
And يعني the hadith is da'if. The hadith is weak, is da'if because of the presence of one of the narrators, Muhammad ibn Marwan. For the ulama are all agreed that this is a weak narrator. And if there is just one weak narrator in the chain of narration, then the whole hadith is rejected and it is weak. But like يعني the ulama said, although the hadith is weak, its meaning is correct. Because there are other hadith, as we'll come to see in the next hadith, which carry a similar meaning. For the Prophet ﷺ, he says, إِنَّ مِنْ ضَعْفِ الْيَقِينَ From the weakness in the certainty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يعني from the signs. So if you see these matches in a person, then it is a sign that their yaqeen is weak in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ مِنْ ضَعْفِ الْيَقِينَ أَنْ تُرْضِيَ النَّاسَ بِالصَّخَةِ اللَّهِ You seek the pleasure of others by displeasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يعني you prefer the satisfaction of people over the satisfaction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do things to satisfy the people at the expense of the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنْ تَحْمَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ رِزْقِ اللَّهِ To praise others for the livelihood provided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani you attribute all the risk that comes to you to the people. But yani this is not something which removes the person outside the fold of Islam. For subhanAllah, how many people they acknowledge that the rizq is from Allah, but they attribute it to other than Allah. This is the minor kufr. This is kufrun ni'mah. وَأَنْ تَذُمَّهُمْ عَلَىٰ مَا لَمْ يُؤْتِكَ اللَّهُ And you blame others for things not bestowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is, you dispraise the people because they withheld when you ask them. And you ask them something or they are distributing something and they do not give you. For you dispraise them and you blame them and you curse them and you swear at them. For this is from this category. And then he mentions that not even the greediness of the most greedy can bring the livelihood of Allah. Because everything is biqadar. Everything is according to the qadar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every person has their livelihood apportioned before they were born. They will not get a dollar less and they will not get a dollar more. For not even someone who is extremely greedy, they will not يعني, overtake the qadar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already decreed what they will get from rizq. And not even anybody's aversion can prevent it. وَلَا يَرُدُّهُ كَرَاهِيَةُ كَارِهِ so if a person doesn't want this particular rizq and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives it to them, can they prevent it? You can't run away from your rizq. And then the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ emphasizes that a Muslim should have strong trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rely on him and believe that all matters are according to his will and decree, his qadr. Whatever the causes implemented by a person, a Muslim should believe that the ultimate decision lies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, if Allah wills, he may withhold the causes from leading to results. A person may take the asbab, but the asbab don't lead to anything. This is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As such, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one worthy of praise in prosperity and adversity. When Allah withholds and when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you, you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, praising Allah at the time of adversity is the highest degree of certainty in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you praise Allah, when, when you are in trouble, financial difficulty, and you say, Alhamdulillah, this is from the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This goes to show your yaqeen in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely high. And not everyone can reach this state. Some people become attached to the means owned by wealthy and powerful individuals whereby if they give some benefit through them they praise them and if they withhold their benefits they dispraise and blame them such people lack certainty in Allah and their reliance on him is impaired and deficient the Prophet ﷺ then stresses that Allah is the only one who gives and withholds according to his decree regardless of the servant's desires and dislikes and then the relevance of the hadith to the chapter. For what did the Prophet wasallam? although the hadith is weak, and the meaning is coming in the next hadith, they've got the same يعني, relevance of the hadith. For what did he say at the beginning? Is that you please people at the expense of the sakhat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the expense of the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The anger of Allah, what does it necessitate? That we fear it. For when they place the pleasure of people over the anger of Allah, which we should fear, what does it mean they did? They feared the people more than they... 
more than they feed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They would please the people because they feed them. If they feed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they wouldn't have pleased the people. If it is weak certainty, yaqeen is based on iman. What does this mean? It is minus shirk because it decreases. It's da'af al-yaqeen. Inna min da'af al-yaqeen. وعن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من التمس رضا الله بسخة الناس رضي الله عنه وأرضى عنه الناس ومن التمس رضا الناس بسخة الله سخط الله عليه وأسخط عليه الناس that Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrated that the Prophet said, whoever seeks Allah's pleasure at the cost of people's displeasure will win the pleasure of Allah and Allah will cause people to be pleased with him. Whoever seeks to please people at the cost of Allah's displeasure will win the displeasure of Allah and Allah will cause people to be displeased with him. And the takhrij of this hadith, it's narrated by Ibn Hibban in his Sahih. There's ikhtilaf, whether this hadith is marfu' or whether it is mawquf. Mawquf, yani it is from the sayings of Aisha, or whether it is, it is marfu' to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all we can say is, Allahu alam. So the Prophet sallallahu says, Man iltamasa ridallahi bi sakhati nasi, radiyallahu anhu wa arda anhu nas. Whoever seeks Allah's pleasure at the cost of people's displeasure will win the pleasure of Allah, and Allah will cause people to be pleased with him. Man iltamasa ridallahi, they seek the pleasure of Allah, they seek to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with what they do, at the expense of displeasing people. Because subhanallah, when you follow the path of Allah, when you follow Sirat al-Mustaqim, not everyone is going to be happy with you. In fact, most people will be displeased with you. They will call you his extremist and he is fundamentalist and he is subhanallah backward and he is uncivilized for they put the pleasure of Allah above what people say and no one is free from what people will say and rahimallahu abdan may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on a servant who subhanallah they don't care what the people say and all they care about is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thinks of them for subhanallah al-insan is a social creature sometimes subhanallah they're influenced by the opinions of other people or what other people have to say you may make them have haraj or subhanallah discomfort in their heart Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with them and not only that وَأَرْضَ عَنْهُ النَّاسِ وَأَرْضَ عَنْهُ النَّاسِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause people to be pleased with him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place in the hearts of the people the love of this person. For as the Prophet sallallahu he said that the hearts of the people are between the two fingers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يُقَلِّبُهَا كَيْفَ يَشَاءُ For he turns the hearts however he wishes subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the converse of this Whoever seeks the pleasure of people at the expense of the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be angry with him and he will cause the people to be angry and displeased with him and this is the shahid of the hadith whoever seeks the pleasure of the people at the expense of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger and then the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu informs of the way by which the satisfaction of Allah is attained and with it the satisfaction of people. Similarly, he informs us of the way by which the dissatisfaction of Allah is attained and with it the dissatisfaction of people. Allah always decrees what is good for his creation. However, the demands and desires of people may contradict what Allah has ordained for they do not know the consequences of their deeds and are influenced only by worldly factors. It is here that the stance of the true believer becomes distinct from those who waver in their belief. A true believer gives priority to Allah's satisfaction over that of people and thus acts upon Allah's legislation and does not fear the blame of the critics. However, a Muslim with wavering belief prefers the satisfaction of people over the satisfaction of Allah and seeks to fulfill the desires of people even if they are contrary to Allah's orders. Such a person fears people more than they fear Allah. As a result, they are given the opposite of what they willed. Those who praise them will then dispraise them and those people they sought to please will avail them nothing in the hereafter.
And then the relevance of the hadith to the chapter that whoever seeks the pleasure of the people over the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they put the pleasure of the people before the displeasure of Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be angry with them. And we said that the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala necessitates punishment, but it also necessitates that a person is fearful of this sakhat. For when they satisfied the people, they put the fear of the people over the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know when Allah's sakhat comes, when Allah is angry and displeased with something, that means someone has committed a sin or they have left an obligation. But this is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes angry. For we know that fearing other than Allah is an obligatory act. And fearing other than Allah contradicts this obligation. These prohibitions may take a person outside the fold of Islam or may constitute a major sin. But this hadith includes both of them, that the sakhat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could be because of major shirk or it could be because of a sin or it could be because of minor shirk depends on what the person did to please the people alright we'll quickly go through the masail the important issues of the chapter 1 explanation of the verse in Ali Imran that was the chapter heading and we've explained it Two explanation of the verse in Surah At-Tawbah إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَأَقَامَ الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَ الزَّكَاةَ وَلَمْ يَخْشَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَمْ يَخْشَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَعَسَىٰ أُولَيْكَ أَنْ يَكُونُ مِنَ الْمُحْتَدِينَ And we've explained this. Three, explanation of the verse in Al-Ankabut. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ as the Prophet said, Yaqeen is attached or it's accompanied by Iman. For as Iman increases, so does Yaqeen. And as Iman decreases, so does Yaqeen. For the weakness of Yaqeen, it may come from a position of strength. You had strong Iman and then it became weak. Or it could be that a person always had this weak Yaqeen. Yes, and whatever is weak can be strengthened. And whatever is, is strong can weaken. This is why the Shaykh he says here, there is a fluctuation in Yaqeen. It gets weak and it strengthens. Five, the signs of a decline in the strength of Iman. Three of them are mentioned. And again, this is as per the hadith of Abu Sa'id. The three that are mentioned in the hadith, they are pleasing people at the expense of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger and praising them for Allah's rizq and blaming them for that which Allah did not decree for them. And this is not an exhaustive list. There are other things which reduce al-yaqeen. For the Prophet just mentioned three of them here. Six, devoting fear to Allah is a duty in Islam. And this is as per the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. For it is an obligatory duty in Islam because whoever leaves it incurs the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For when you please the people and you displease Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes displeased. For whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is displeased with, then it's prohibited. For this is why he says here, devoting fear to Allah is a duty in Islam. It should only belong to Allah. Because if we feared Allah, we would not put the preference of people before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seven, the reward of a person who fears Allah alone with utmost sincerity. And this is as per the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anhu wa arda anhu nas. Allah is pleased with them and Allah will make the people be pleased with them as well. Eight, the punishment of a person who does not have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, this is as per the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anhu. The one who doesn't have the fear of Allah will earn the anger and the sakhat of Allah and also the anger and the sakhat of the people as a result of that. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu